Hey everyone, welcome to episode 2 of the Golf Shot Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Bagley, and this week we're going to be doing some kind of Sanderson's Farm recap, a little bit of Ryder Cup cleanup, and then looking ahead to the um, Shriners Children Open that's happening this week. Okay, to be completely transparent with you guys, uh, I know this is only episode 2 of the podcast, but you know, we are now uh, a couple weeks out from the Ryder Cup. And so naturally, this is kind of a dead time, uh, usually in the golf calendar. Uh, we are in the midst of the fall series, um, or at least that's what I think the PGA Tour is calling it these days. As as many people probably know, it's been rebranded a bunch of times. So naturally, it's a bit of a slow time. It's a little bit of an effort to keep up with what's going on in professional golf. I think a lot of people are taking a break usually during this time. Uh, but I wanted to make sure that I committed to this, so I wanted to, you know, stay on top of the golf this week and make sure I, I did my did my homework and read up on what was going on this week, just because I do want to keep making this a consistent thing. And so, if you did check out episode one, I really do appreciate it. Uh, I hope there was some color in there that you found interesting about the Ryder Cup. I think I was kind of rambling on, and I definitely don't expect to go as long with this podcast as I did with that one. And I think that's for the best uh, for you and me <laughs> as far as everything that should should be said. Um, so to jump into it, you know, Sanderson Farms happened last week. And, you know, to be honest, I actually was at a wedding in Minnesota. And so I didn't end up catching a whole lot of this. Um, I was able to, you know, one of my, one of the things I find like very tricky and very kind of frustrating about following pro golf, uh, especially the PGA Tour, is that it's really hard to get a, like a good recap of like a video recap, like a condensed recap of final rounds, which I feel like is something that could be like very simple. Um, it's something that I think if you're a sports fan in other sports, you probably take a lot of advantage of. Like I know I missed uh, the Patriots game. I'm a New England Patriots fan, and, you know, they pay played last Sunday. I wasn't able to catch a lot of that, and I think that was for the best because they got absolutely blown out by the New Orleans Saints, 34 to nothing, and one of the worst losses of my lifetime. So I'm kind of happy I didn't catch a lot of that live and didn't dedicate a lot of my Sunday to that. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to anyway. But, um, you know, you can always just jump on YouTube and they have these great extended highlights. And so anywhere from like eight to 15 minutes, you're able to just sit down and watch the game, like a lot of the game, a lot of the important plays from the game and get like a really good sense of what was going on. And, you know, golf is tricky. You know, it's not as linear. It's a little difficult, I think, to put together like a decent, like kind of game highlight. Um, but, you know, the ones that they throw out on YouTube from like the golf channel or I guess whoever's doing the cover coverage, so NBC, NBC golf channel. I mean, it's usually so like kind of half-assed for lack of a better word. And they just uh, they just don't really do it justice. You're just getting a lot of highlights of a lot of putts being hit and you have like no idea like, oh, this putts for par. OK, he missed it. So he bogeyed. But you're like, OK, well, that's like. You might as well like read the scorecard. It doesn't really give you a full picture, but I was able to, you know, I was able to see some of the, some of the final round and 
did watch the highlights to get the full picture of what happened in the playoff and see uh, how Luke List ended up with the victory. So Luke List ended up uh, defeating, uh, winning out in a five-man playoff over Scott Stallings, Hendrik Norlander, uh, Ben Griffin, and Ludwig Aubert is apparently how we're supposed to be saying his name. I think most American media has been calling him Ludwig Aberg, and apparently that is not the proper pronunciation. Um, I will try my best. I cannot guarantee that I'm pronouncing it correctly, so apologies in advance. But I think this is a bit of a learning curve for everybody who's like kind of heard his name for a while now because we have to kind of relearn how we've been saying it. Um, I think he is a big story and Ben Griffin's a big, big part of the story here. Uh, pretty impressive by Hubert. The fact that he came from the Ryder Cup was a was one of the favorites coming into this event. Um, kind of got off to, you know, no, I was going to say he got off to a slow start, but he didn't really, and he played really solid golf and, um, you know, ended up in this playoff. And so that's a really, that's a really impressive from him to come right off the Ryder Cup and perform like this. And um, it's going to just continue. To, the hype is probably just going to continue to rise from here and, you know, Wishing the best, really love his game. Um, bummed as an American fan to see him on the winning Ryder Cup team, but that won't take away from just enjoying his play. He's just like beautiful textbook swing, um, which I don't understand how he hits it so far. And uh, yeah, so I, he was a big part of the story. But I think the big uh, the big takeaway for most people, if you caught any of the golf, um, Ben Griffin, uh, kind of tough, um, had the 54 hole lead was leading for most of the day it looked like his ball striking was i think which is always kind of an issue with ben griffin was kind of abandoning him um so he was scrambling around at, at mo moments he was like at points in the tournament on sunday he got up to like 21 under par ended up in a playoff at 18 under par so obviously you know that's got to hurt and then had a putt on 18 in regulation to win the tournament outright that just caught the edge and so um pretty devastating for ben griffin um wish him the best uh definitely an outstanding week and so hopefully that he can kind of enter the winning circle soon um you know it's tough and i think you know stories like ben griffin are definitely some of the intrigue with the fall series and kind of what makes me um Looking forward to the Shriners Children Open this week uh, for those types of stories and, and Guy possibly getting his, his first win. I also just want to quickly uh, touch on the Alfred Dunhill Links Championship. Um, this, to me, I was able to catch some of the, the early round coverage. Uh, this tournament was shortened to 54 hole, holes. Uh, because of the weather, which is pretty unusual, I th I'd say, for uh, tournaments in Scotland. I mean, they usually have, they can obviously have a lot of rainy weather, but not usually to the extent that would uh, shorten the, the golf tournament. Um, but the Alfred Dunhill Links Championship um, is always a lot of fun to watch. I mean, obviously being played at the old course in Carnoustie and Kings Barnes, it's always great to see, um, just see the golf courses. And I just love the environment out there. Uh, I just got back from Scotland, actually, the beginning of September uh, on a big golf trip, my first ever kind of golf-focused trip 
and was able to play. I went to St. Andrews. I didn't play St. Andrews. I was actually more in East Lothian, kind of east of Edinburgh, or uh, Edinburgh, as I should say, <laughs> as, as I was getting made fun of for saying, saying Edinburgh by uh, the, my Scottish friends that, uh, that I have out there. And so um, I was able to, one of my good friends is a, is a member at North Berwick. And so that was unbelievable. And maybe, maybe one day uh, when I had this pod a little bit further along, I can touch base about my trip there. I have plenty of thoughts on that, on Scottish golf uh, and the whole thing was just, just unbelievable. But uh, I was able to, you know, go up to San Andrews and I had been up there to visit before second time going to San Andrews and not playing golf. So, you know, people were probably like, what the heck is wrong with me? Um, but we tried to get the lottery. Um, me and my, my sister's boyfriend who was also on this trip. Uh, but we didn't get the lottery. We were coming from Edinburgh. So it was a little difficult to do the whole queue in the morning situation. And so we ended up just going up for the day to check it out and playing another golf course um, kind of in the area. Um, but yeah, when you're there and then you see it on TV, it just it just hits a little bit different and you kind of have a sense for like, oh, where things are and the setup and everything. Um, and so I always, I mean, Alfred Dunhill is such a fun, such a fun event. Um, my dad and I especially have always loved this event. We've always talked about going to that event. There never seems to be that many people out there um i always thought like if you wanted to go to san andrews like this would be the great event to go you would get so close and see every everything i think the walker cup the summer has kind of made that seem like the greatest event ever to be at san andrews because you could literally walk on the fairways with everybody so that is probably the the number one event to go see there but um just a real just soft spot soft spot for the the alfred dunhill links um shout out and congrats to Matt Fitzpatrick and his mom. They, he won the individual title or the, you know, the main title. And, and then they won the team event in the shortened uh, 54 hole uh, format. But impressive from Patrick to also come from the Ryder, straight from the Ryder Cup to winning, to winning uh, out there. And love to see him rack up some wins because I just think um, it was a bit of a down year for Fitzpatrick, I'd say, even though he won. RBC at Heritage, but he wasn't as consistent as he was the year before, uh, which obviously included the U.S. Open victory. And, um, you know, I'm from the Boston area, so naturally I got to have a soft spot for Fitzpatrick being the Mr. The Country Club in, in Brookline. Uh, I was there at the U.S. Open uh, all four days, and obviously he was such a big, he was a huge part of the story there, and winning there was in pretty incredible fashion was was really fun to see and so I really uh I hope Fitz you know racks up the wins I really hope he he's a guy around my age who I've watched for a long time and and you know his game is not my favorite game to in the world to be honest like I don't see a lot of myself in his game and his swing and even his approach I respect a lot but I don't it's not something I can completely relate to the 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 incredible discipline and, and nerdiness of his, his game um, but do like to see the success so good for him for for getting getting the dub even in, in the short week so i also just wanted to do a little Ryder cup uh cleanup here i think you know if 
if you've been following um, along with some of the golf news this week, you probably saw reference to or read uh, Michael Bamberger's piece in the Fire Pit Collective, um, which kind of, and Bamberger reports through uh, a few sources that Steve Sands had asked Patrick Cantley about the Hatgate situation prior to it all blowing up. So basically what Michael Bamberger wrote, and I, um, everybody should go check that out. I don't want to just regurgitate, regurgitate everything that he, you know, outlined and reported on so eloquently as he always does. But, you know, Steve Sands had asked, apparently, according to Bamberger, Steve Sands had asked Patrick Canley about why he wasn't wearing a hat. And Canley had made a comment being like, I'll wear a hat when I'm making as much as that guy over there was a reference to, I don't have the name in front of me, but a PGA of America official. I think it was the communications director who was there on the first tee. And this is obviously very interesting because this basically proves that, you know, Jamie Weir's report about the hat situation being about money uh, was actually kind of, uh, reported in truth that this interaction did happen, that Cantley did make this reference to the not wearing a hat being related to not being paid uh, as a member of the Ryder Cup team. And, you know, it's funny because Steve Sands, I think, you know, is probably going to get some heat for not being honest about this, really. And he didn't comment, I think in the Bamberger piece, he said he didn't want to report on a private conversation he has with a player. But, you know, uh, you know, uh, Cantley was interviewed after, I think, the, you know, the Saturday when he made, you know, the dramatic comeback and all the stuff blow, blew up with uh, LaCava and Rory and the hat waving and the European fans and all that stuff. You know, Cantley was interviewed by, I believe, Steve Sands, and he addressed those rumors. And Cantley was like, you know unequivocally that that is not true that this is being like misreported and when he said it in the interview i kind of like wondered he was so definitive well not he wasn't like angry definitive like this is outrageous but he's like definitely not true i was kind of thinking to myself like if it is true is he really just gonna get up here and like just lie on television <laughs> on national television and apparently he kind of did. I mean, maybe he'll get a. I think there's some kind of like, kind of legal like ways, like legal wording that Cantley can kind of like be like, well, what I really meant was this, not that. But uh, it sounds like he just straight up lied. And, you know, it's a funny little anecdote. I think this will just, all this means is that this story is not going to die anytime soon. Um, and I don't think it was going to die anytime soon anyway, because I think the paying of, or at least the compensation related to the Ryder Cup is definitely a discussion that was going to continue and kind of rear its head uh, in the next couple of years anyway. Definitely sounds that way based on all the things that you hear being reported. Um, but definitely interesting. Um, good for Michael Bamberger for, for reporting on this. Um, definitely fuel for the European media, the European team. Uh, to be like, just to kind of 
continue this narrative that the U.S. is always like distracted and there's always like things that the U.S. team is more concerned about and they just can't get their heads, they can't get everybody on the same page and like basically care about the Ryder Cup like they do and thus they can't be as successful. So just kind of fueling that whole fire and uh, definitely, definitely an interesting tidbit and go check it out if you haven't read it. Another thing I kind of want to shout out and kind of pat myself on the back about is I I just subscribed to um, Kyle Porter's uh, newsletter, um, Normal Sport, and he, uh, you know, he just started this this year, I believe, and this was my, I just started subscribing this week, and um, he had some great, great Ryder Cup recap work. He wrote some um, pieces for CBS Sports as well. I definitely recommend checking those out. But I think I mostly wanted to pat myself on the back a little bit because I felt like Kyle, who I like a lot and have followed for a long time, had a lot of the similar takeaways that I did. And if you're looking to hear any of that information, that is kind of what we covered in episode one uh, last week. And so, you know, he was, uh, you know, but I'll pat myself on the back, but also say that I think Kyle took a lot of what I was thinking and at least, you know, wrote it <laughs> and said it in a way that was much more concise and much more eloquent than, than I could. Um, and so just hitting on some of those points about how, you know, the Europeans just seem to want, uh, want to win a little bit more differences in the culture some of the performances that stood out and some of his takeaways uh, from the week. And he always does it with a great sense of humor. Uh, so there's stuff in there that will definitely make you laugh if you, if you follow the Ryder Cup really closely. And so go check that out. And last piece of golf news to kind of hit here is um, just today, I believe the, you know, the world golf rankings committee uh, came out and said that they would not be giving the live tour world ranking points uh, moving forward, after a long discussion about uh, how this has been going on for the last, what is it, year and a half. Um, so big, big um, roadblock, I'd say, for Liv. I'm sure a lot of the players are pretty disappointed. As Obviously, as the further we get along with this, the less points they will have remaining from their, their time as uh, PGA Tour players or DP World Tour players. And so access into the major championships is going to get harder and harder if they don't have um, kind of long-standing exemptions. So basically, all the guys who haven't won majors and have exemptions for you know the tournament that they won, or the five-year exemption that comes with uh, winning one of the tournaments, you know it's going to be tough for some of these guys to get into major fields. Um, and so they're either going to be have to play, you know more the agent events and try to rack up points or maybe this whole you know the whole system is always in flux so maybe they'll have more access to dp world tour events and maybe they'll have more access to pga tour events but kind of an interesting uh interesting conclusion i'm i'm kind of pleased because i think i think it is true that the live tour is not truly a golf tour and that's kind of what all the statements coming out from the, you know, the world golf ranking, you know, committee kind of hints at, um, interesting to note, they kind of downplayed the, the 54 hole, um, tournament thing, which is something I think a lot of the media were saying, well, that that's not real golf. 
um, my dad had told me, you know, my dad is the most knowledgeable person I know about the world of golf. And he does a lot of work in, you know, local, local um, golf association. And, you know, he's, he told me, he's like, well, you know, we have 54 hole events and we have world ranking points uh, for the, the professional events that they put on. And so he was like, it's that has never really been something that's been a discussion as far as like what makes a valid tournament is it has to be 72 holes. But basically what the committee was implying is that live is too much of a closed system and that the team format is kind of hindering um, the individual kind of nature of world golf ranking. So when you're playing for your team, you're not playing for yourself and it's kind of changing the way that you play the game. And then the closed, you know, live is an invitational tour. You know, you get invited to play. There's no system of being demoted. Uh, obviously, there's no cuts. So it's a little bit, it would be like the Hero World Challenge if that was just like a full tour. <laughs> and I think that controversially has world ranking points, and I don't think it should. Um and so those are just like free points and it, it's weird. And so that's kind of what live would be like too. It would be like giving these guys a lot of points for playing in a really close system. It would, it would be kind of like a handout. Uh, interesting report. I haven't read too much of the discourse around it. I uh, just saw a couple of the articles on Twitter. saw Jeff Shackelford kind of wrote it up in his um, uh, Substack. stack, uh, but definitely something to, to note going forward. And I think it will just kind of, it will get us to a point where these guys are probably going to be allowed to play in maybe DB, DP World Tour events, uh, first and foremost, um, sooner rather than later, uh, to probably the frustration of some of these guys who've stayed, uh, stayed loyal. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how the, all, that whole thing shakes out. Okay, so lastly, before we go... Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about this week's tournament, uh, the Shriner Children Open being played in, in Las Vegas. Uh, this event's always kind of, I think, sneaky, a good watch. There's been some compelling tournaments in the past, um, some first-time winners, um, and some, like, young... It's usually, you know, historically, I've, I've always thought of this event as being where a lot of, like, you get these first glimpses of young guys coming out of college, guys coming off the corn fairy tour which is which is also the case this week you'll get to see some of the, the corn fairy guys uh tee it up but um it can be can be fun it's a weird time this the schedule obviously football nfl football college football is really dominating the weekends here in october but um you know if you're if your team stinks like mine does the patriots Maybe you want something to distract you from NFL football and, and watching your team stink it up and everybody else succeeding. And so you'll flip on the goal. Um, so, you know, it's always there. That's that's what's kind of nice about PGA Tour golf. For better or worse, it's it's always there. Uh, one of the big stories, obviously, will be uh, Lexi Thompson teeing it up this week. Pretty interesting, um, interesting choice for her to be doing this at a time where she's really struggled on the LPGA tour this year. I am not an LPGA tour expert, but I do follow, uh, I follow what goes on, uh, decently enough. I'd say I, I follow the majors pretty, you know, pretty closely. I, I went to the LPGA, um, 
the women's LPGA, LPGA championship uh, out in New Jersey at Baltus Roll this past year and caught some of that, which was a lot of fun. And we'll, we'll definitely tune in for the majors. But, you know, Lexi, Lexi is kind of out, out of that kind of Michelle Wee playbook in the fact that, you know, she's one of the, she's somebody who can hit it. She definitely hits it at a level that will make her, I mean, if not competitive, then she will be able to hold her own as just as far as where the tees are and, uh, you know, hitting the approach shots into the greens. Uh, Lexi's somebody who definitely, you know, she can spin it um, as much as any of the ladies on the LPGA tour. Um, but she's really struggled this year, and obviously with Lexi, putting is always an issue. So interesting to see how she does. I'm not somebody who thinks it's terrible that she's taking a spot from a guy. Um, I think the PGA Tour players, you know, Peter Malnati uh, said said something negative and then had to take it back, and I was kind of shocked that he did say something. I, I think the PGA Tour players are just a little sensitive because of the opportunities right now. And the way the tour has changed for the people on the kind of the bottom tier of the tour. But um, as far as just getting publicity out for the tournament and getting publicity for, you know, women's golf, I think it's a really good thing. And I, I hope she plays well. I hope it would be tough if it, it went really poorly. So uh, wishing her the best. Uh, not a, To be honest, I'm not like a huge Lexi Thompson fan, but... Um, hope that she can kind of perform perform her own and hey maybe she'll make the cut which would be a huge huge story so not too much more to add here about the shriners um you know looking at the at the odds right now it looks like tom kim um defending champ and uber are the the favorites here um i think you know i'm not this is not going to be a betting podcast and i'm certainly not going to um, gave a lot of advice out here because I don't think uh, I'm really the guy to have the expertise for that, but um, I feel like I do know some about what goes on and, you know, dive into some of the stats and looking up um, some information on the golf course and how it sets up. Um, so one guy I'm kind of eyeing this week would be Adam Shank, who perform, has performed really well this year. Had a couple runner-up finishes this year. Got really close at um, it was what the the at Colonial at the Charles Schwab had a second place finish there and was second at the Valspar uh, earlier in the spring. And he's just been he's had a really solid year. He's top fifty in the world right now. Definitely seems primed to get that that first PGA Tour victory. Uh, so somebody I'm I'm definitely looking at this week. And I think, you know, for me to throw out more picks, honestly, it would just be me kind of regurgitating things I've heard from other uh, golf uh, content creators and some of the other podcasts I listen to. So if you're at, at all in that world, um, I highly recommend, you know, you check out some of the other um, the guys that dive real deep, uh, as you see on Twitter. And, and you hit them up for their picks. Um, they're the they they dive a lot deeper into the stats, the course setups, and do and do all the uh, the groundwork. So uh, that's where you should go. Maybe I'll get to the, there at that point. I just uh, I just I don't know. I I kind of I like to do some research. I like to to bet on golf, but 
I, going in deeply on all the stats every week I is a lot of work, and I give those guys a lot of props uh, for doing it, but I, I won't be your, your guy for that here. Um, but yeah, that's, that's basically all I have this week. Uh, thank you so much for listening. As I said up top, this, this is the second ever episode of the show, so really appreciate if you made it through all the way to the end here. I want to keep this a little bit shorter than last week. Um, so thanks so much for listening. You can check out this this podcast on, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, and uh, let me know if you want to see it anywhere else, and I can definitely start um, trying to blast it out everywhere I can. Um, if you're looking to follow me on Twitter, where I have some golf content on there, um, my Twitter handle, or X, I guess I should say, but I'm, I'm definitely going to keep calling it Twitter for you know, until I can anymore, just because I just can't get out of that habit. And I really don't like calling it X, but you can follow me at, at this ends Bagley, which is my last name, B-A-G-L-E-Y. And that's where you can find me. But, uh, hope you guys have a good week this week. Uh, best of luck with any bets that you make. And I am, will be kind of away this weekend as well. So I don't know how much of the Shriners I'm going to catch, but I'll be sure to try to catch as much as I can and I'll talk to everybody next week. Thanks. See you guys.